This morning we are continuing the summer series of selected psalms, reading Psalm 13 this morning. I invite you to open the Pew Bible or your personal Bible, if it happens to be the English Standard Version, so that we might read in unison together Psalm 13. The Word of God for the people of God. Let us ask the Lord's blessing upon His inspired Word. Our Father, we thank You that in Your love for us, You teach us, You correct us, and You lead us. And You do that by means of Your written revelation in Holy Scripture. And so we pray that you would open our minds and our hearts spiritually so that we might not only understand but receive in faith what you say and apply it to our lives. Oh Lord, by the power of your Spirit, may it transform us so that we might live more faithfully as your people upon the earth to the glory of your name. Amen. Psalm 13, the Word of God, it is written, let us read in unison. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord, my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Now unto him who loves us, who has freed us from our sins by his blood, to Jesus Christ be all praise, honor, and glory forever and ever. Amen. The book of Psalms is the prayer book of the Bible. It contains prayers written by men, but inspired by the Holy Spirit. That's important because it means that the Psalms teach us how to pray in accordance with God's Word. The Psalms serve as guides to prayer and help us, help us learn how to pour out our hearts to God in times of trouble, suffering, sorrow, sadness. Psalm 13 is a prime example. How many of us in one way or another, at one time or another, have felt like crying out in the words of Psalm 13, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Now, even if we didn't say those words, we may have felt like it. Well, God has given us Psalm 13. So that we can know and be assured that, yeah, it's okay. It's okay for us to cry out to God in this way. 
Psalm 13 is one of those prayers. It's it's a lament or a complaint, which at first we might be hesitant to pray. We might think that it sounds mm, mm, irreverent or even borderline blasphemous. It might seem wrong to pray this prayer because after all, we know, oh yeah, we know in our heads, we know that God does not and will not forget us. That's what the Bible says. So why would we bring a complaint like this to God since since God has said in His Word that He will never leave us nor forsake us? Then it would seem as though we were we would be accusing God of breaking His Word. Should we really cry out to God? How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? It's pretty bold stuff. It, it pushes the envelope of personal piety pretty far. <laughs> and we might say, well, it certainly doesn't, uh, doesn't really express faith very well. We could, we could criticize this prayer. We could criticize this prayer by saying that anyone who prays like this obviously does not have real faith, obviously does not know the promises of Scripture, obviously does not have a a very mature relationship with God. We could say those things. But if we did, we would be speaking like the counselors of Job who had all their theological ducks in a row with an answer to every question, but who obviously had never ever really dealt with the reality of suffering in this fallen world and wrestled with God about it. So let's accept Psalm 13 for what it is. The Word of God for the people of God, so that you and I may have words to speak to God in times of trouble and suffering. Psalm 13 is a gift of God given by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so that you and I will know how to and have permission to cry out from the depths of our suffering souls. The Creator who knows you knows you better than you know yourself. Before a word is on your tongue, God knows it altogether. He knows what you think. He knows what you feel. Your Creator knows that in your heart, from your perspective, when it seems your world is crashing down all around you, when you've suffered for a long time, when you've prayed for a long time but have not gotten the answer that you want, when one trouble piles up on top of another, God knows that you wonder if He has forgotten you. David, a man of faith, felt that way. And God used David as an instrument of the Holy Spirit to write this inspired psalm, the words of God, so that you and I might be assured that we can pour out our hearts to God in this way. 
Now, we don't know the historical context of this psalm or the personal circumstances in which David found himself when he wrote it. Was this during King Saul's hostile pursuit of David? Was it during Absalom's rebellion against David? Was it during another time of crisis and conflict? We don't know. But that's a good thing that we don't know because then we can apply this psalm to our lives in, in our various times of trouble, sorrow, and suffering. Most of us, if we live long enough, at some time or in some way, in some season, we will feel so overwhelmed by adversity or grief that we will simply want to fall face down and pound the ground with our fist and cry out, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? In our pilgrimage through this world to the next, we cannot avoid all pain, heartache, trouble, adversity, sorrow, loss, and grief. We live in a fallen world a corrupted creation in bondage to decay and death. Things are not the way they're supposed to be according to God's original good creation. Now, God is still God. God is still sovereign over all things, including all the things that bring pain and sorrow and suffering into our lives. And those in Christ have the assurance that God works all those things together for the good of those who love Him, who are called according to His purpose. No, God has not lost control over this world, and God is not powerless in the face of evil and suffering. But here's the simple point. We do no longer live in the Garden of Eden. We live in a world corrupted by sin, filled with pain and brokenness and overpowered by death. We do not yet live in the perfection of the new creation which is coming when Christ comes again, the eternal kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in which death shall be no more, neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore. All those who follow Jesus through this world of woe will live with him in that kingdom. But until that day, while we live in this fallen world, it is inevitable that we will experience adversity and loss and sorrow and sadness and grief. Jesus himself said to his disciples, in this world you will have tribulation. The Apostle Paul encouraged the early Christians by saying that, quote, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Paul said that, by the way, just after he had been stoned nearly to death and dragged out of the city for dead. So from both the Old Testament and the New, we learn that God's faithful people suffer adversity, persecution, loss, sorrow, grief, fear in this world. The Apostle Paul was quite transparent with his feelings when he wrote to the Corinthians. We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. 
the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul and his missionary companions at one point were, quote, so utterly burdened beyond their strength that they despaired of life itself. Now that sounds as though perhaps the Apostle Paul himself might have cried out a prayer quoting Psalm 13. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? In our own day, in our own way, we may have those moments when Psalm 13 speaks for us from the depths of our souls. Whenever there's, there's prolonged suffering, hardship, it might, be, it might be chronic illness, chronic physical pain. It might be caring for a loved one who suffers physically or suffers mentally. It might be a continuing problem that just won't go away and for whatever reason you just can't get it resolved. It might be a series of circumstantial hardships, trouble upon trouble, upsetting your life. It might be an injustice, a wrong done to you by a malicious person which has continuing negative consequences in your life. Or it may arise from those old tapes from long ago, hurts, regrets, failures, shattered dreams, broken relationships that just keep on playing and playing in your mind. Why do I have to keep dealing with this? Why do I have to keep going through this? Why didn't God deliver me from this? That's exactly what verse 2 says. How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? At this point in the psalm, it's taken us down almost to the breaking point almost to that point of despairing of life itself. David feels that his enemy is exalted over him, triumphing over him, defeating him. David was taking a beating. And I think that in this case, it was primarily some sort of internal, emotional, psychological, spiritual struggle caused by whatever his external adversaries were. But, you know, he, and he was going down. He was going down. But it wasn't, it wasn't merely that there were men out there who were, who were trying to kill him. You know, David, David could handle himself pretty well in a fight. David was a pretty good warrior himself. He was pretty good with a sling and a stone and a sword and a shield. But there's something else going on here. This is a different kind of fight. This was a fight in his mind, a struggle in his soul, which he was afraid that he was about to lose. You see, whatever our battles, whatever our enemies, whatever our adversities, the real enemy, our real adversity is the devil. And by that, I don't mean some fictional, you know, superstitious sort of creature. I mean a real personality of evil, the evil one. Whose ultimate temptation is always the temptation to abandon hope. Give up your faith 
in God. Sink in defeat and despair. That's the real temptation. That's where Psalm 13 touches bottom. At the bottom of our souls. At the bottom of our lives. But Psalm 13 does not let us stay there. Psalm 13 does not let us abandon our faith in God, abandon our hope, and sink into ultimate despair. Psalm 13, now watch it. Here we go. Here's the shift. Get it. Psalm 13 teaches us to pray, not only expressing our feelings, but also affirming our faith. That's it. Make a note. Mark it. Psalm 13 teaches us to pray, not only expressing our feelings, but also affirming our faith. As do so many psalms, Psalm 13 moves from fear to faith. And it moves us from fear to faith. After those crying questions, David then, as our example and teacher, begins to pray in faith. Verse 4, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say, I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice, because I am shaken. Now you see, David is not simply crying out to God, expressing his pain and his fears. At this point, he is calling upon God to act. Now that in itself is an expression of faith. And God is honored by our expressions of faith in Him. God is honored by our prayers when in faith we call upon Him to act on our behalf. In these verses, David acknowledges and affirms that God has the power to give him new strength to light up his eyes. Now, isn't that an interesting image? Light up my eyes, indicating renewed life, renewed energy, renewed faith, renewed hope coming forth as light out of his eyes. He acknowledges God's power to save him from death. So Psalm 13 gives us a prayer to pray in times of darkness and depression. But it does not let us stay stuck in self-pity and despair. That's important. Psalm 13 moves forward and moves us forward. Psalm 13 looks upward and causes us to look upward. It gives us the words to pray for spiritual light in times of spiritual darkness. Despair begins to turn toward hope. Fear begins to be transformed into faith. As David calls upon God for protection and deliverance, he begins to climb up out of the valley of the shadow to walk in the light of the Lord. And then Psalm 13 concludes with a wonderful affirmation of faith. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Wow. Now that's, that's quite a transition, is it not? 
from verses 1 and 2 to verses 5 and 6, the prayer that began with a cry of despair concludes with an affirmation of faith. Get it? Get it. Mark it down. The prayer that began with a cry of despair concludes with an affirmation of faith. Now, this is really good therapy. This, no, no, this is the best therapy that there is. It's really good mental health therapy. It's really good spiritual health therapy. You see how it works? It begins with an honest, transparent, gut-wrenching expression of feelings, unashamedly spoken to the Lord. That's being honest with yourself in the moment and honest with God. But you don't get stuck there. The next thing is to call upon God for help, to cast all your anxiety upon Him, and in the recognition of your own weakness, helplessness, powerlessness in your situation, to ask God for His power to act on your behalf. So then at that point, you're no longer focused on yourself. You're no longer focused on your problem. You become focused on God and on His power. And then... Focused on God's power, His faithfulness, His goodness. Your faith is renewed. Your spirit is refreshed. Your heart is encouraged. And you, by faith, look up to the heavens and express an affirmation of faith and hope. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. That's how we move from fear to faith. From despair to hope. But there's something else that we need to consider. How can we be sure that God really does care about us and is involved in the struggles of our lives? How can we be sure? How can we be sure that this kind of prayer, Psalm 13, is one which God will hear and answer? Well, let me ask you this. Who was it of all men who ever lived who descended into the depths of utter sorrow? Who was it of all men who ever lived who really had the experience of being forsaken? Forsaken, really forsaken by God. Who was it? Of all the men who have ever lived on earth who went down to death with his foes rejoicing because they had prevailed over him. You know who that was. See, when the eternal Son of God took upon himself our human nature and came into this world in human flesh and blood, let me just say it this way. I don't mean it irreverent. It's not even in my manuscript. Let me just say that he was all in. You need to get this. He was all in. 
because he united himself with us in all of our weakness, suffering, pain, and grief. Jesus was, as Isaiah prophesied, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Because he was ordained to experience our sorrow and our grief. When he suffered on the cross, Jesus suffered as it were. Yes, he suffered all of the pain, all of the shame, all of the loss, all of the grief, all the sorrow that has been caused and felt in this world because of sin. It was laid upon him. There is no sorrow or grief that you've ever felt that he himself did not carry in his own heart. Psalm 13 is a psalm of the suffering Savior. Again, as with Psalm 3, in Psalm 13, we hear the voice of Jesus Christ speaking prophetically about His own suffering, crucifixion, and resurrection. He's been there for you and for me. He's been through it. He was plunged into your darkness. He has walked through your valley of the shadow. He has faced and fought your enemy, the devil. And he has won that war for you. He was forsaken as he died on the cross. And because he was forsaken by God, those who trust in him will never be forsaken. That's how you know. No matter what you're going through or will go through in this world of woe, Jesus Christ has already gone ahead of you into that darkness and has overcome it for you with his light of everlasting life. And therefore, brothers and sisters, if you are in union with Jesus Christ through faith, you may have the assurance that whatever your suffering may be in this world, He is the one who will transform your suffering into eternal glory. I will sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. Yes. He will transform your suffering into eternal glory. Glory. Earlier I referred to Jesus' statement, which he said on the night of the Last Supper. In this world you will have tribulation. But that's not all he said. He went on to say, But take heart, be of good courage. I have overcome the world. There it is. From fear to faith. And because Christ has overcome the world and overcome death and overcome all the powers of darkness and sin, we, through faith in Him, share in His eternal victory and we will rejoice in His eternal victory. And by His power, even now, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Let us move from fear to faith, from despair to hope. Let us affirm, I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. To God be the glory. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we thank you.
for the glorious gospel of your Son, our Savior Jesus Christ, who for our sake and for our salvation came down from heaven and was made man in the womb of the Virgin Mary to live for us as one of us, to die for us as our saving substitute, to rise again as our victorious Lord. Grant us the grace of faith through the Holy Spirit, O Lord, to live as those who will live forever in union with Christ our Savior. To the glory of your name, amen. In response to the gospel of Jesus Christ, let us stand to affirm our faith as we say together the Heidelberg Catechism number one. Christian, what is your only comfort in life and in death? My only comfort is that I belong body and soul in life and in death, not to myself, but to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. At the cost of his own precious blood, he has fully paid for all my sins and has set me free from the dominion of the devil. He also watches over me so well that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. Indeed, all things must work together to fit his purpose for my salvation. Therefore, because I belong to him, Christ, by his Holy Spirit, also assures me of eternal life and makes me wholeheartedly ready and willing from now on to live for him. Amen.